The NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today. You don't get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com, W-Y-N-N-Bet.com, and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time to chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. That's PropSwap.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you by the very exciting news, the SGPN app. Our app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The SGPN App Store gives you easy access to all our picks, podcasts, and it's the exclusive place to enter all our contests, including our $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or Google Play Store to download the app today. And welcome, everyone, to a Sunday night edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. This is your host, ZB. We're recording this Sunday night, June 6, 7.46 p.m. on the East Coast with so much to get to. The first round is over. We got some second-round series starting already. Also, the offseason is starting to heat up. So to break it all down, I'm joined by the hardest-working man in the sports betting media space, Munaf, Munaf, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm excited. You know, we have a, we had a lot going on this weekend and all across all sports. You know, I just finished recording with Malcolm, our MLB uh, gambling podcast. We we're talking a little uh, NBA on there. He said uh, he was watching. He turned the TV on and saw a random basketball game, and it was Game Seven of the Clippers and Mavericks. So he really <laughs> hasn't gotten into uh, basketball, but hopefully that'll that'll change for him. But it feels like I haven't talked to you in a while, man. How you doing? I know you were out of town this weekend. Yeah, no, I know. We, we haven't been together probably since last Wednesday, so I'm excited uh, to get into everything with you. I know we have some teams that we are rooting for together right now, especially the Los Angeles Clippers. Big yeah. series price cash for me, you, the rest of the NBA, Slack channel, Ryan, Sean. So yeah. always nice when you get one of those SGPN wide wins. Yep. I know we had talked a lot about as well this Blazers situation. That's finally coming to a boil uh, as they go home in six. So a lot to get to. Um, let's get right into it, actually. Um, I'll just lay out a quick plan for the show today. We're going to react a little bit to the Blazers, Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, uh, those teams that went home. Um, and then we'll get into recapping game one of Nets, Bucks, game one of Sixers, Hawks, and the game seven of Mavs, Clippers, then we're going to look at the West a little bit, and then we'll get you guys the picks for Monday night's game. So big show tonight. Let's get right into it. Munaf, your instant reactions to the Blazers going home and then that immediately being followed up with, you know, just a little bit of offseason turmoil hitting quick, potentially Dame Lillard yep. wanting out as well as Terry Stotts immediately being uh, asked out. And now this Jason Kidd vacancy reports that got squashed. So what's your thoughts? I know you've been kind of an expert on this Portland situation. So what are you seeing there? Yeah, we I think we have to pat ourselves on the back a little bit because we had talked about that. If the Blazers don't make it out of the first round, Terry Stotts will be gone, whether it was him being fired or them, quote unquote, mutually agreeing to part ways. But, um, you know, I was high on this Blazers team coming into this playoffs. I, I actually had him going to the Western Conference finals. 
uh, you know, with the additions of Norman Powell and they had everybody healthy. But I think the biggest flaw for the Portland Trailblazers was their defense. And they gave up 126 points in that game six, and that's not going to get you very many victories. Um, I mean, just instantly, just I just really feel bad for Damian Lillard because he had that heroic effort, and I believe it was game five, or sorry, game four or five, where he had that you know the double overtime game. Five, he yeah. dropped, yeah, dropped fifty in that game. I mean, he had an okay game in in game uh, six there, but. I think the biggest thing goes back for me is that they didn't get much out of CJ McCollum all series long. And when you're supposed to be the second star on this team um, for him, not to really step up, I think that's what's really causing the trailblazers not to advance further in these playoffs. And now we're seeing the reports of, you know, Damian Lillard uh, wanting Jason Kidd, And now Jason Kidd saying he's withdrawn his name from the uh, consideration for that, that blazers job. And then, I'm not sure if you caught this on Twitter, you know, um, Damian Lillard was on Instagram live and I think LeBron checked in and he said, you know, LeBron make that call. I'm not sure what that means, Oh but, shit! Uh, it's going to, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what transpires for this Blazers team going forward. Yeah. I mean, I'll react to a few of those things. I, th- I think with the Terry Stotts thing, I think they, they did a classy thing by doing that, you know, mutually agreed to part ways. They've obviously had a lot of success together and they, ha- you know, they've been a high class organization. So I, I respect yeah. they didn't fire him. Now he might land on his feet in Orlando. So good for him. Obviously Orlando got rid of Steve Clifford as well. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think within that series, Portland has had no level to get to on a defensive end. I mean, Denver kind of woke up in that in late in that game six. They started kind of flying around defensively. Jamichael Green was getting after it. They had Compasso yeah. getting after it all series. They had some high-level defenders, and all their guys really committed on that end. Defensively, the Blazers just had nothing. I mean, you're in an elimination game at home, and Monte Morris is getting literally whatever he wants every single time down the floor. Yeah. Now, I love Monte Morris, one of my favorite players in the NBA, but that's unacceptable you know, from a team that has yeah. aspirations. And for this Portland team, look, there was no excuse this year. I mean, they were in the easiest possible bracket. Chris Paul and yeah. Anthony Davis get hurt. Jamal Murray's out with an ACL. You know, you really had a path to get back to the conference finals. And, you know, Utah and Clippers, not unbeatable teams. So this really kind of was the year that defensive end was just such a liability. And then, yeah, like you said, CJ McCollum, I mean, he got thoroughly outplayed by Monte Morris in this, in this series. And that's not something you'd expect out of CJ. I think when you look at this coaching vacancy, I think Jason Kidd makes the right decision here by saying, no, I don't think you want to come into a situation where it's like, you're that connected to the star player when we know how explosive star players can be in this off season movement. You know, you don't want to be there and be like, you're Dame's guy because, that just sets up a bat. You know, did you really earn the job? Did the organization really back you? I right. think that just sets up kind of a shitty dynamic. So I do think it's probably not the best opportunity, especially because Jason Kidd seems like he can have basically any job he wants right now, or yeah. he's at least one of the hot names along with uh, Mr. Chauncey Billups. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think for the, for the Blazers, I think it's probably the end of an era. I mean, I think you're looking at potentially running it back again, but what does that really do for you? And Dame Lillard, I think a lot of teams are going to make offers. I think, you know, is it the New York Knicks? Is it, is it the Los Angeles Lakers? I think you're going to see some these these big market teams, the Chicago Bulls. I mean, I think they could be a dark horse to make a yeah. big splash. But we always say, I mean, it was looking like Bradley Beal or Bust for a big game, a big name getting moved on the trade market. 
but now you add Dame Lillard in that conversation. I think people thought that maybe Kawhi Leonard could be in that conversation if the Clippers went home. Obviously, they survived this series against the Mavericks. So Dame Lillard potentially being on the trade market. I mean, the NBA offseason, as we know, never sleeps. So, um, you know, I also just want to give credit to the Denver Nuggets. I mean, I think a lot of people are yeah. looking at this series as like the Blazers choked it away and, you know, they choked around Dame. I mean, I think Denver really went out and took this series. I mean, they were down 14 on the road in the second half. And they nutted up, and they came back in that game. Um, so you just got to you just got to respect the effort Denver put in, and you know to, to leave a team at a crossroads like that is always a you know a big time uh, statement to make uh, for for a team like Denver. Yeah, and I think I need to formally uh, apologize to you for shitting on the Denver Nuggets. And no apology needed, because because the next series we're going to talk about, I owe you one as well. So we 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 could both uh, say we were wrong on one. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you that you have to give this Denver Nuggets team a lot of credit. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. in some of these games of the first quarter was almost coming out and dropping 17 to 20 points yeah. in the first quarter. And, you know, like you said, Compasso was, was a pass to Lillard all series long. Austin Rivers hit some big shots. Monte Morris, your guy, he was absolutely phenomenal in game six. Yep. Um, and for them not to have Jamal Murray, I think a lot of those guys fill the void, but uh, that this next series for the um, Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns is it's going to be a great one. But a lot of credit to again Mike Malone. Also, he did a fantastic yeah. job yeah. of coaching too. So um, happy for you, man. Happy for this <laughs> Nuggets team, and it's going to be a great round two series against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it's going to be a six series. I, last thing I do want is I think that Dame really got tired out in that series too. And yep. I think Compazzo, how much of a pest he was, kind of contributed to that, right? He was picking him up full court, you know, making every single catch tough. So I wonder if we'll see a similar approach to Chris Paul maybe in the next series. That's going to be a great series. But uh, just another – I mean, Nikola Jokic, we don't even bring up his name. And he yeah. averaged, what, 33, 13, and 6 in this series on 50, 40, 90 shooting. Just so efficient. The conditioning is incredible. Offensively, he just goes out every night. So consistent. So great series for Denver – Anything else in that series? Let's go, let's go to Lakers Suns where I owe you an apology yep. on that one. <laughs> so I'll, I'll kick this one off. I mean, I think it's the same message here is that you got to give the Suns a lot of credit here. I mean, they came out and took this series when I think in the back of everyone's mind, even though we are kind of pushing down this narrative of, oh, oh AD wasn't healthy. You see right away the LeBron was only at 85% narrative coming out of their camp after the series. But no, the Suns went in with a killer mentality. They're a young team inexperienced playoff team and they go out on the road and go up 24 points in the first quarter against a LeBron James team. And you can't say enough about how locked in they were. And obviously Devin Booker um, as, as a playoff scorer, just looking so lethal um, at the, his ability to get a bucket. So the Suns do close out the Lakers in six, um, you know, Munaf, I owe you one. I, I was, I kept saying that the Lakers, you know, they were always going to find a way. And yeah. in the end they didn't. And that was due to the Suns killer instinct, not due to the Lakers, you know, not showing up. So um, yeah, credit to you. Great, great call. You were one of the few people out there saying the Suns will uh, take this series. So t take your victory lap here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it was more of me fading the LA Lakers versus obviously also playing on the Suns because uh, when we, when we had talked about round one, uh, when you and I talked about pre uh, previewing these first rounds in the Western conferences, this Lakers team just didn't look right to me. And I think, you know, we heard after the series was over that there were players frustrated with Dennis Schroeder and and things like that. But, you know, LeBron didn't look right at, towards the tail end of the season with the ankle. Anthony Davis obviously leaving with a groin injury. 
Um, he tried to give it a go in game six, but it just didn't uh, hold up for him. But after that, this roster just didn't have much. And, you know, I thought this Phoenix Suns team was a lot more well-rounded after Chris Paul and Devin Booker. I got I got to give a shout out to Jay Crowder for what he did in game six, knocking down six three-point shots and some clutch, clutch three-point shots. Um, you know, uh, Mikael Bridges was good all, all series long. DeAndre Aiden early on in those games was absolutely fantastic. And I, I think we have to start now acknowledging that Devin Booker is a, a a superstar in this league now. I mean, you saw the performance that he had in game six. He played 46 of the 48 minutes, so he knew that he didn't want to send this game to – or sorry, the series to game seven. He dropped 47 in that, uh, in that game, eight of ten from three-point land, and it's it just got to give a lot of credit to the Phoenix Suns team. Now for the Lakers, it's going to be, again, a lot of question marks on what's going to happen with this roster because I think, number one, what they really need to do is they need to get younger because I don't know how much load that LeBron is going to be able to carry as he gets older. He's going to be 37, I believe, next season. Anthony Davis, we're we're kind of expecting him now to get injured every single season because that's just the type of career he's had, whether it's been with his legs or his groin or whatever the case might be. But the, I mean, when you have older statements like Marcus Saul and and Markeith Morris and Jared Dudley, Wes Matthews, these are all older guys. They need to they need to get younger. They need to get maybe I think they're going to get another superstar because LeBron James is the type of player that he loses in the playoffs and he'll go out and get another superstar on this team. I don't think we'll see shooter back. I don't think, I don't think Kyle Kuzma will be on this roster either, but we'll get to that in the off season. But I, I think, you know, like you said, Phoenix just outplayed um, the Lakers in this round and they have that killer mentality. This team was hungry and they went out and did it. Yeah. And I think for the Lakers, I mean, you said you were spot on. I mean, when AD went down, the flaws in this roster were just so exposed. They're just yeah. brutally exposed. I mean, they just, I, I, it's easy to say in hindsight, but they just were not a good team outside of LeBron and AD. I mean, they yeah. really had nothing. No one else could get a bucket. That offense was absolutely putrid um, trying to score, especially with LeBron off the floor once AD went down. And, yeah, I mean, just a lot of question marks. I think there's so many long-term things that this raises. I mean, I, I think with LeBron James, obviously yeah. it raises the question of, okay, this is the first time we've really seen him fail in a situation like this where he couldn't bring his team back. Now, I think that I think that LeBron James is still going to be a factor, you know, in the best part in the NBA conversation next year and for however for sure. many years to come. I, I'm not ready to write him off in terms of his career, but definitely was a little bit weird to just – and I, I'll admit it, I kept playing, buying into that angle. And I think when you look back on this series, it is a kind of interesting handicapping lesson of, you know, how much do we just – we just all kind of thought LeBron would just do it. But everything yeah. was kind of pointing to, and credit credit to you for seeing just the obvious case that the Phoenix Suns were a better team once these kind of injuries all factored in. And you know, Chris Paul also was injured. But yeah. you know, if you when you really look at what the Lakers what they put on the floor, I mean, it's kind of just I'm almost killing myself for betting on them. But that's how great LeBron James has been throughout his career, and yeah. we kind of learned that you have to just trust that. But it doesn't come through this time, and I think you were also seeing that. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw a take at you. I, I want to see your reaction. Sure. And I, I'm not sure where I come down on this, but when you really think about it, was the bigger fluke last season in the bubble with the no home court and the layoff? Or is it this year with the compressed schedule and the stress on players' bodies 
that we're seeing a lot of these big injuries pop up now in the playoffs, which to you is kind of more of an off season. I think it's a ladder because we're seeing, obviously I think this season probably should have been probably a 60 game season. And when you're coming off of almost what, two, three months, you're getting into the, the next season. We're, we're not going to know what, how much these athletes' bodies take when they're playing this game of basketball, whether it's practice and playing at the actual game, right? And, I mean, you look all across the NBA this season, there were significant injuries to all-star players. And almost right now, it seems like whichever team is the most healthy by the end of the season is probably going to win the title. That's what it's kind of seeming like. But last season in the bubble, Anthony Davis and – LeBron were at a 1A and 1B level. And then after that, there was just a significant drop-off to the next best player in the playoffs. Probably that next guy was probably Jimmy Butler. But after that, I mean, I didn't see any players playing at the level where LeBron and AD were playing at. We had talked about this with me, you and Zach, or, or sorry, Dan, was that now I'm starting to think that maybe it was half and half, whether it was a product of the bubble where they didn't have to travel, where you know, they played the game and they were just going back to their hotel. Maybe in the bubble, it was more of a mental thing that they weren't with their families or going back to their own beds. But, you know, when you take out the travel aspect of it, I think that kind of adds up as you go along the playoffs. But let's just say, you know, the Lakers would have won the series. Do you think that LeBron's ankle and Anthony Davis growing would have willed them to win 12 more games to win the title or not? I don't know. I, I, I think maybe with just how poor the West is looking, I still kind of think I would have the Clippers winning that series, but yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, I, obviously I think in this series, I mean, Chris Paul was hurt too, and he wasn't himself either. So, yeah. you know, I think the Lakers obviously probably felt the effect of injuries a little bit more, but injuries are part of the game. Yeah. Every better knows that every sports fan knows that. So mm-hmm. it's not to say, I'm not trying to say that this is a fluke series or anything like that. Just no. that, um, you know, this season was very arduous, and we kind of are getting to this point where now you have Chris Paul, Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, James Harden, you know, some of the best players in our game um, not making it to this level. But the games have still been phenomenal, and there's absolutely no complaints. So, um, overall, I mean, a really interesting series and kind of, a, I think, a, for those of us who live on the West Coast, and I don't personally live on the West Coast, but that felt kind of like a big old school battle, you know, Lakers versus Phoenix, obviously regional rivals. And then I think this Suns Nuggets series is going to be fucking phenomenal as well as yeah. is jazz Clippers. I mean, so excited for both of those and to get into breaking down those. Yep. Any other thoughts on uh Lakers Suns? Let's take a quick break here. Yeah. Take a break. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll get into the rest of the show. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is by WinBet. WinBet is you bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com at W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. All right, coming back off the break, let's get into some of these Eastern Conference game ones in the second round. And we got to start in Brooklyn, where obviously the Nets get the win in game one. Great performance. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot to get into, but um, the big news is obviously James Harden's hamstring. So, uh, Moon, if you, your reaction to that, which way did you, who did you bet on in game one? Who did you, you take in that game? I think I was one of the few that was on Brooklyn for this game, man. Yeah. I was on Milwaukee, obviously, so that's an L for me. Yeah. So, and I, 
I got a little nervous when Harden left with the uh, injury, and we'll get to that in a little bit. We got an update today, but um, I, I, you know, I, I think that Milwaukee being off of the time they were, uh, maybe maybe caught up to them because they looked a little rusty in the game. Obviously their three point shooting was not there tonight. They were only six or sorry, the other night, they were only six of 30 from uh three point land. Um, but they were getting whatever they wanted inside. Um, take a look at their two leading rebounders were Giannis and Chris Middleton. They combined for 24 rebounds, but it almost seemed like when James Harden left with the, with the injury, it kind of rejuvenated this Brooklyn Nets team. Outside of Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving, I think the, the three guys that I really want to highlight that kind of really filled that void when James Harden left was number one, Blake Griffin, uh, Mike James, and I think the other guy we have to kind of shout out that maybe wasn't a huge factor in the game is your guy, Nick Claxton, right? And I think that's going to be huge now in the series and how many minutes he's going to get because Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez and those guys were pretty much getting whatever it, what they wanted inside. And you got to give a lot of credit to Blake Griffin for the way he rebounded in this game. But I really wanted to shout out those three guys that really wield them the victory. Now for the Brooklyn Nets, we know that James Harden is going to be out for game uh, two with what they're calling it as tightness for his hamstring. But now your two best players, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, are just going to have to be superstars every single night. And we saw that in game one. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in game two because I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were absolutely fantastic in game one for this team. And I think this was a, a huge victory for Nets morale knowing that James Harden left with an injury. And I said this in the Slack channel and I put it on my Twitter that this game won because of the injury was a must win for the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And I think you also mentioned that game two is also going to be a, a, a must win for them also. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at game two, I think whoever wins that game will win the series, um, but we, we can talk about it a little, little bit more later. Um, I mean, I, I think when you look at this box score, I mean, I think for me, one thing I am concerned with for Brooklyn Kyrie Irving, 45 minutes. I mean, that is obviously a heavy load for him to carry. And we've seen, you know, we, we just talked about it with the amount of injuries. I think that and KD, obviously 40 minutes. I mean, they're going to have to carry that load, like you said, as superstars. And look, this is the hardest matchup probably on the rest of the path for Brooklyn. So it's completely balls to the walls from, from here on out, especially because yeah. you probably do get hardened back at some point in the next round. If you make it, I think we will get a hamstring strain that's already been re-aggravated and re-aggravated this soft tissue stuff. I mean, it stays with you. It nags you. I, I think he's probably mm -hmm. on the shelf for at least a handful of games, likely this entire series, um, based on the kind of the nature of the injury. Obviously, they're calling it tightness and not a strain or whatever. So maybe there's some good news there. You like, yeah. uh, you'd like to see Kyrie Irving pick up some of that playmaking role, eight assists for him. That was mm -hmm. kind of a big aspect of that. The ball was moving a little bit. Um, 25 assists for Brooklyn compared to 21 for Milwaukee. Um, what did you make of the decision to uh, start P.J. Tucker for, for Milwaukee? I think, like you said, there was a lot of rust involved in this game, and they, they opted to go very big. Um, they did kill him on the glass, but um, what did you make of that decision? We're looking at in hindsight, I think it was the wrong decision for them to start. Uh, PJ Tucker, he is a guy that can give fits to anybody, you know, when he's going to guard them. But do we really think that PJ Tucker can guard Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant in one-on-one -on -one situations? Because the skill level that Kevin Durant has as a seven-footer, and I'm 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 going to sound biased throughout when we talk about the Bucks and Nets because I have features on them. But 
do we really think that PJ Tucker can guard Kevin Durant? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I wanted to get your take. What do you think? I mean, I, I think PJ does a good job on KD. I, I don't think anyone can really guard KD. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I, I don't think PJ, and they obviously know each other, both went to Texas. Um, so they kind of had that like yeah. competitive rivalry, but yeah. you know, I thought it was a move by Bud to kind of try to bully them. And yeah. you know, that, that, doesn't really work when the other team is making shots and moving the ball. And, you know, you have Joe Harris knocking down five threes and, yeah. you know, they, you know, the, the nets are good enough and they're skilled enough. And I think the flaw of the nets is that they kind of do seem like you can bully them, but um, when they're making shots, when they're scoring, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I think now what's, I think maybe one number one, that maybe the rust for the bucks caught up, but also in, now they're taking they're going from probably the worst team that made it into the playoffs to now the best team and the shot making that the Miami Heat didn't have in their round 1 matchup is now going to be there in round 2 with this team because after Kevin Durant and uh Kyrie Irving they have some lethal shooters on this team. We talked about Joe Harris who made five three-pointers. You also still have Mike James who is going to be an underrated star in this series. That if he plays well, there's gonna be fits for for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, again, and you're gonna have to get a, now. You're gonna rely on Blake Griffin a lot in this series without James Harden. He played 35 minutes. I mean, when's the last time Blake Griffin played 35 minutes in, in a even a regular season game? And he was efficient, right? 18 points, 14 rebounds. They're gonna need that type of effort from him all series long. If you were watching in game one, he was diving for those loose balls. Yeah, he was, yeah. he was his, he was balls to the wall. Like you like to say in this game one, he's going to be like that all series long. So it was just refreshing to see the type of effort that Blake Griffin gave. And uh, I'm not saying the Bucks are in trouble because they are going to shoot a lot better in game two, because in game one, like I mentioned, there were six of 30, but in game one, in round one, they shot the same way and they won the game. Yep. But now when you're going up against Brooklyn Nets and you shoot that way, you're not going to win very many games. So it's going to be about shot making for the uh, sorry for the Milwaukee Bucks and for the Nets. It's going to be your two superstars having to play extensive minutes and getting you probably thir- close to 30 points per game. And then your 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 role players, whether it's two, three guys are going to have to step up. And I'm really excited for this series. Um, obviously, big win for the Brooklyn Nets, I think must win for game two, like you said, also. Yeah, and I, I think a couple of things from this game. I mean, Peach, so you look at like kind of Mike Budenholzer, I think, got outplayed by Steve Nash in this game. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, we had the controversy coming where he doesn't play his guys 40 minutes. That happened again this year, and that was kind of been a fatal flaw from in the past. Giannis only plays 35, Middleton 36, uh, Lo- uh, Holiday 37. I think, you know, there were times where Giannis wanted to check back in and he still was sitting on the bench. Um, you know, like you mentioned, also the decision to start P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker was minus 13 in his minutes tonight or yeah. on Saturday night. And you look at mm-hmm. the adjustments that Steve Nash made. Obviously, I mean, for Steve Nash, everything he kind of tried off the bench, Nick Claxton plus 11, Bruce Brown only plus three but played well, yeah. Mike James plus 12, Landry Shamit plus 10. I mean, the strings he pulled were the right ones in game one. So obviously an imp- impressive high-leverage playoff series debut for Steve Nash. I think he's been a really underrated coach uh, so far this year with how he's managed everything. Now it's kind of go time for his X's and O's type. And when you know when you look at it for Milwaukee, they did, yeah, they did shoot six at thirty from three. But you know, Brooklyn only shot thirty-seven percent from three themselves. And I think when you look at, for Brooklyn, it's not like KD or Kyrie went nuclear and won you this game. This yeah. is kind of a team win for Brooklyn, and that's obviously the more sustainable way for them to win. But 
you know, I think when we also talk about this Brooklyn team, it's like they also have a guy who can win you a game on any given night. We've seen Kyrie Irving, we've seen Kevin Durant do that in the past where they're just absolutely nuclear. And I think those are the type of games that we might see Brooklyn maybe sneak out later in this series in the deciding games. Obviously, you know, still at game one, but I mean, yeah, we, we can kind of look forward a little bit. I, I look at game two as whoever wins this game will win this series. I mean, for Brooklyn, getting game one is huge. I think yeah. with Harden going down, you absolutely need to maintain home court advantage in this series. If you go up 2-0, then I think this series is kind of in hand because you're just looking at let's just get one in Milwaukee, um, and then you come back with the opportunity to close it out. I think for Milwaukee, if you go up 1-1, you kind of send the message that, you know, Brooklyn can't get this done without Harden. You go back to your place with home court advantage where you can continue trying to bully the Nets and the pressure kind of ramps up. I think the the Nets, it's so important because of their, you know, the lack of depth on this roster and the lack of proven options on this roster outside of KD and Kyrie to have the confidence going up to, I think will really decide this series. Um, And yeah, I just look at it as you just have to get this game at home. I mean, you just don't want to go back to Milwaukee one yeah. one and, and without Harden, I, I I really don't think he does come back. So um, I, I think Game Two has potential to be an absolutely epic one, very similar to the ones that we saw in the regular season, where it was just KD and Kyrie, where it's just like nobody can stop each other, and it's just great players making plays. I really hope it hope it will be Game One. I mean, it wasn't a great game. Obviously, it didn't end up being a high leverage situation in the fourth quarter. So I think that we do get one of those in Game Two. Who do you think starts in Harden's spot now? Ah, uh, I mean, look, I I think I kind of like the idea of of not going with Bruce Brown, who I think is probably yeah. the obvious choice. But yeah. I do maybe like the maybe like to go with Shamit just to keep that shooting up. You know, okay. if you do, if you because you already kind of have Blake Griffin as the non-shooter in your lineup, mm-hmm. and without Harden now, I think you need to kind of maintain that offensive flow you know it's not like james harden is a phenomenal defender anyway so it's not like you're used to this lineup like defending at a crazy high level i think you go with Shamit or james to kind of keep that offensive level super high and keep the kind of character of your starting unit and then you can kind of go ahead and make those adjustments throughout the game as you do but i i don't think that putting bruce brown out there to start yeah. the game i think he's more of a change of pace energy guy although he does seem like the logical decision, I guess. But Steve Nash has shown all year that he's not going to just make the easy, obvious choice. Do we see DeAndre Jordan this series, do you think, for some rebounding purpose, at least? I don't think he might be a rim protector, but it, there's a there's an advantage and then there's a disadvantage because if he gets caught in that pick and roll, then he's going to be in trouble. But then you also get some rebounding and some potentially some uh, shot blocking with DeAndre Jordan. So what do you think? Do you think he's going to get some minutes here? Or is uh, yeah. going to be Claxton? I mean, I, I think Claxton has obviously showed up in game one. I think if we start to see the Bucks kind of thesis of just mashing the nets and absolutely destroying them with big boy stuff, I think maybe that's when you maybe see DeAndre to kind of counter that a little bit. Okay. That didn't really necessarily change the, te- the tenor of the game in game one. And I think when you look at the glass, I mean, look, Milwaukee does out-rebound Brooklyn by 11, but yep. you also kind of see the skill ball aspect of it bearing out where Milwaukee turned the ball over 14 times and Brooklyn turned it over only eight times. Yep. And Kyrie Irving only had one turnover in this game. Kevin Durant had three turnovers. Um, Giannis had five, and then Drew Holiday had three. So that's kind of a, a major difference in this game as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for Harden, uh, it obviously just sucks. He's super yeah. – I think he's just such an underrated competitor. I mean, this guy does not miss games. We're not used to seeing him miss yeah. games, and he wants to win it so badly. So I know we hope that he can get right as soon as possible, whether it's this series or if they're able to to get through without him. But um, 
you know, this series, it's going to be a long series, it feels like. Yeah, Drew Holiday is going to have have his hands full with Kyrie Irving because I think he's going to tire him out on the defensive end. And, you know, he may, he might not be as effective as he was in round one against Miami in the series against the Nets because I was saying this in the, in the Slack channel on, on a Saturday um, that Drew Holiday is going to have a real hard time with Kyrie Irving because he is just so skilled with his handles and his ability to get to the basket and his quickness. So that matchup, I'm really looking forward to watching all series long. But like you mentioned, this this can might you know this is going to be a series that might go six six games, seven games. But I think that the fact that we have this series in round two, the winner of the series is probably going to win or get to the NBA uh, championship, uh, NBA finals. Uh, between these two teams. And I think when we get to the Western conference later on, I think the winner between the Utah jazz and the LA Clippers is going to get to the uh, uh, NBA finals. So, uh, you know, game two goes off tomorrow night and I'm excited for it, man. Yeah. We're, we're going to break that game down betting perspective later. And I think, yeah, the winner of this series will probably be the overwhelming favorite to win the NBA title, unless the Clippers kind of really start theming uh, in the West. So yeah. with that, let's take a quick break here and then we'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit of Sixers Hawks. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is a go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to hit turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, guys. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. All right, coming back off the break, Sixers lose at home to the Atlanta Hawks in game one. Munaf, I missed this game. I was on a flight, so take us through it. What bets did you have and kind of what were, what were your reactions to this game? What did you see out there? Yeah, I think we as a NBA Slack channel took the first half over and it came in really easily, but Wow, Trey Young just got whatever he wanted in that first for, through the first three quarters. Um, he finished with 35 points. Uh, he had a great first half. I think he had like 25 in the first half, and he was getting whatever he wanted. Um, John Collins, 21 points. Uh, Bogdanovich just hit some clutch three-pointers down the stretch. He even had the audacity to hush the uh, Sixers crowd in that fourth quarter. With about a minute 30 left, um, it got really interesting uh, towards the end of that game that uh, Sixers made uh, made a comeback. They got it down to, I think, like three points, but then eventually the Hawks pulled away. But it was, I think, too much Trey Young for uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, sorry, for the Sixers. And um, the Hawks hit 23 pointers in this game. You know, you got three from Collins, four from Trey Young, five from Bogdanovich. Um I think the Sixers were kind of caught off and shell-shocked by what the Hawks brought to them because I wonder where this Sixers team would have been without Joel Embiid tonight. And we talked about how he had the uh, slight meniscus tear in his knee and how effective he was going to be, but he still came out and dropped 39 points in this game. Obviously, with the late run, it was a too little too late for the Sixers, but 
you got to give the Atlanta Hawks a lot of credit for the way they came out in the first half. And then especially in the first quarter, they dropped 42 points, 74 in the first half. And, and they just, they just took them to the woodshed in that first half. Yeah, and obviously this is really impressive for Atlanta to come in and get a win on the road. I think yeah. when I think when, when I, I was just following the market. I mean, when Joel Embiid got marked in, I saw that line go, I think, from like three to four and a half pretty quickly with Embiid in, and he obviously put up a stud performance, but Philly not able to get the win in this one. What was your pick for this series and kind of how does this uh game affect that affect that opinion? Yeah, I had probably Sixers in five or six games, but now um I'm going to stay with Sixers in uh, six games. I think they'll make the def- defensive adjustments in the second ha- uh, second game. I think you kind of saw it in the second half where they were trying to double uh, Trey Young. They did were able to force some turnovers with the link that the backcourt has of the Sixers with Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. And they brought in Tybal off the bench and, um, you know, Maxi. I think Doc Rivers kind of got frustrated with uh, Tyrese Maxey in this game because we saw some frustration with them when he was calling timeouts. Um, but I think that Doc Rivers and this team will make the make the adjustments in game two. It's a must-win situation for the Sixers. Obviously, you don't want to go down 0-2 heading into Atlanta, where Atlanta, let's say they get one of the games here, all of a sudden they're one game away from advancing into the Eastern Conference Finals. But for game two, Look for the adjustments to be made by the Sixers, and I think they'll come out and take care of business. I'm still going to go with the Sixers in uh, in six games. And obviously, I mean, I'm just checking out this box score. I mean, I think the Joel Embiid fans will be, I guess, happy or sad to see Joel was plus 13 in his 38 minutes. So I guess they lost yeah. by 17 in the 10 minutes that he was off the floor. Um, I know Philly fans are well familiar with that with that situation, um, mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I, I think I probably would lean with – I would have said Sixers and five. Um, I think what's kind of interesting about moving forward from this game is, like, it's not like, okay, you didn't have Joel, yeah. and now, okay, he gets healthy and we'll be good. Like, Joel had 39 and nine and three blocks and was yeah. plus 13 in his 38 minutes. It looks like he dominated and he still mm-hmm. lost. So that's kind yeah. of – not really. It's a, it's a more honest punch in the mouth than the one that, than the idea of we're just going to, you know, fall back on injuries. Um, but yeah, I mean, Trey young, I mean, continues to just look like a playoff player. I was going to say that about Kyrie as well. Some of these guys are just suited for the playoff game and offensively just find a way to get busy when, even when defenses raise their level. So big win for the Hawks. Anything else on that one? No, that was it. Uh, I think you got just, I think the one concern that is going to be in the series, Ben Simmons, in the in the in the final minutes, that if it gets down to free throw shooting, we saw that the Atlanta Hawks were fouling him even when the Hawks were up in that final minute, where they were up by five or four or five points. As soon as uh, Ben Simmons got the ball, they were fouling him, and it shows in the box where he was three of ten from the free throw line tonight. So something to keep an eye on what what Doc River does in the, in the final minutes if it's close and Ben Simmons is going to be in the game or not yeah and with that let's go to this Mavs Clippers game seven huge win for SGPN Nation on the Clippers there's a lot of a lot of series price uh, betting throughout yeah. the series and a lot of stress as they you know could not win a home game for the first three games and they finally come out in game seven phenomenal offensive performance Luke obviously did his thing but the Clippers are able to pull it out uh, I guess we can talk kind of game six and game seven. Um, I think the takeaway for me is 
I'll start off with, the, I guess, the more subtle. I, I thought Paul George really had a good series. Um, I thought he contributed in a variety of ways. Look, the scoring numbers weren't lethal, but he was getting on the glass. Obviously, turnovers were a problem, but he was getting others involved with his passing. Great handle. I thought he would, would perform well defensively when asked. Obviously, not the same as Kawhi, but I thought he played his role and you know made clutch shots when he needed to. I thought in that game six, his little mini run at the beginning of the fourth quarter when Kawhi and Luka were sitting to kind of – I think they were down by four, and he took them up by two, and then Kawhi kind of finished the job from there. That was huge. So credit to Paul George overcoming some of his demons and then Kawhi Leonard reminding everyone that he is very much in the conversation for best player in the NBA yeah. um, a guy that we had to kind of all maybe thought after he leads the Raptors to the title oh he's the mercenary he's the best player in the NBA LeBron kind of takes it back and I think Kawhi you know although Luka was ridiculous and I think that needs to be considered as well which is crazy considering how young he is he was absolutely phenomenal probably the best player in the series but Oh, Kawhi sure. just so lethal on both ends in game six and game seven and um, the Clippers pull it out. So they, they, they advance, but your reaction to that series and uh, the Clippers getting this win today. Yeah. And I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with Kawhi Leonard, how he just kind of willed the Clippers to the victories in game six and game seven. I mean, take a look tonight. He almost had a triple double 28, 10 and nine, four steals uh, tonight. So you got to give a lot of credit for the way their defense was in the second half of this game held holding the um, Mavericks to only 49 points. I think in game seven, it was more about for me, the, the role players that we were looking for the Clippers uh, to step up throughout the series. And it just wasn't there. And it showed up tonight for them. I think early on, Batum was fantastic for them. You know, he was getting to the basket. He got, he had some ferocious dunks. He hit a, a key three pointer in that corner. Um, Reggie Jackson. I think that guy that we've kind of shitted on, or at least I have, he was pretty good in this series also for them. They put him into the starting lineup. Um, Terrence Mann today, man, he was he was uh, yeah. absolutely fantastic in that first half. Uh, so, you know, and then Luke Kennard, we were talking about it, why he wasn't getting any minutes, and he finally got some minutes in game six and seven. So, uh, you know, between those three guys, I, I think you got to give credit to um, um, Tyron, Ty Lue for making those adjustments and putting those guys in. And number two for those guys to step up, you know, tonight between – Jackson, Mann, and Kennard, they knocked down uh, eight three-pointers. So that, that's pretty key to help out Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I, I think they got that monkey off of the back with the Dallas yeah. Mavericks. But I think for the Mavericks now, and if Mark Cuban is smart, <clears throat> he's going to have to go out and get another superstar player to play next to, uh, to, next to Luka because we've seen with James Harden, now with Damian Lillard, that they don't have that help. They're they're going to want to get out and go to a winning situation. Luca right now, who I still think hasn't even entered the best ball of his career because he's going to continue to get better at such a young age. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, what we're seeing for him right now is absolutely crazy. Uh, he needs to get that help for for your best player to go out and do everything he did tonight, and this whole series for him to drop forty six points tonight and not really getting help from anybody else other than you know Dorian Finney Smith was good, but. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. was only one of nine from three-point land. KP, 0 of five from three-point land. So um, question marks for the Dallas Mavericks on how they kind of construct this roster. But, sorry, they got to give – you got to give the Clippers uh, credit for stepping up in game six and seven. Now they're on to uh, the Utah Jazz. So uh, congrats to the Clippers and and for us for catching those, uh, those plus-money dogs when we picked them up after game two. Yeah, um, and just – I mean, I guess I'll say for the Mavericks first, I think it's obviously really interesting how they handle the KP situation. You know, I don't, th 
are they going to panic on KP? You know, his value is obviously very low right now. I think he still obviously has shown like he can be a really good weapon at times. And if he rediscovers his defense and his confidence offensively, I mean, he's still a great, there's still a great player in there somewhere, I believe. But, you know, you need to get Luca help now because, like you've seen, you don't have time to waste with a guy like this. He's 22 years old and he's already one of the best players in the NBA, probably yeah. in the conversation for top five, maybe even top three years. I mean, what he's doing in the playoffs is absolutely ridiculous. I just want to say, I mean, listen to the, these numbers in this series. He goes out and he averages um, 36 points, 10 assists, eight boards on 49% field goal percentage, 41% for three. I mean, 36, 10, and eight you know, entire series against Kawhi and PG, two of the best uh, wing defenders in our game. So definitely got to put some respect on that series for Luka and the Mavericks. And obviously all this talk about Rick Carlisle being fired, I think is nonsense. He's a great coach. Yeah. Um, You know, and and Mark Cuban's already come out and said he'll be around. Um, And then in this series, I mean, Kawhi Leonard was also obviously incredible. He kind of reasserts himself and um, I think you mentioned that you brought up a great point that for the Clippers, I, I almost like, this series for them more than like an easy series. I mean, I, I, I think we kind of saw them exercise some of their demons. They kind of came together. The ball movement today was phenomenal there. I mean, they yeah. did kind of choke that game away a little bit late, but um, pretty stress-free second half pull away, you know, everyone high-fiving Ty Lu is a great playoff coach. I think he needs to get more credit for his ability to kind of manage this series. And now they kind of do what they couldn't do last year against Denver and LA or Denver, um, in the second round, which yep. was kind of stop the tide from turning and just get a big time mature win. And they did that in six and seven and, you know, let alone three and four with their backs against the wall on the road. Um, so a great series for the Clippers. Um, let, let's, let's look ahead to the second round in the West here. Um, but before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast also brought to you by PropSwap. We're brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one app to buy and sell sports bets. Find the best odds on NBA Championship and Stanley Cup futures when you buy directly from other bettors that think like yourself. See a ticket you like but think the price is too high? Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. PropSwap is making it easy to profit these playoffs by trading in and out of teams as the postseason progresses. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time. Last week, a PropSwap customer purchased a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup future for $45 when the team was down 3-1 to one against the Maple Leafs. A few days later, he flipped it for $600. Bucks. With PropSwap, your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Think stock market, but for sports betting, use promo code SGP on your first deposit and receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Go to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. All right, coming back off the break, let's keep it going with the Clippers discussion. They move on to the second round facing the Utah Jazz, who dispatched the Grizzlies in five games. Munaf, your early impressions of the series should be a really great one. Game one is Tuesday night in Utah. I think that this is going to be one of the more exciting series for the entire NBA playoffs. Um, it almost seems like that this this Utah Jazz team is like a kind of a, a carbon copy of the Dallas Mavericks, but in a better form, if that kind of makes sense. Because Utah is one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league we saw during the season. But now you're going up against a team that the roster is obviously better than the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks. They have the superstar player in 
uh, Donovan Mitchell, so they're going to have their hands full with him. But now you kind of look at the the pieces around Donovan Mitchell with Joe Ingles, with with uh, Bogdanovich, with Brie Gobert, Mike Conley, uh, Jordan Clarkson off the bench, Royce O'Neal. So the list goes on and on for the Jazz. So this is going to be a fun series. I have no idea who's going to win this series. I, I think you have to give Clippers the edge right now because they are battle-tested. And we've seen, at least early on in these playoffs, is that the teams that have the rust right now, like we saw with the Bucks, are don't do well in that game one. So I probably will be on the Clippers in game one, um, just because I think the Jazz might be a little rusty. But I honestly, I have no idea who I'm picking this series. I think this is a series that could probably go another seven games. But um, gun to my head right now, I'm going to go with Utah in, 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 in seven games. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I am looking at a, uh, a unidentified book that has us at Clippers plus 130, Jazz minus 150. So looking like the Jazz are the early favorite, I completely disagree with that. I mean, I am all over the Clippers in this series. Um, I think that the Clippers um, getting past the Mavericks, I honestly think that, think that they had a more likely than not chance of sort of walking to the Western Conference Finals um, in this series. I honestly don't respect the Jazz that much um, in this matchup. You look at Mike Conley's injury. I should take that back. I respect the Jazz in this matchup. I do think that the Clippers are a better team, and they get this done in five or six games. Um, So that would be my pick for this series. Um, You look at Mike Conley, that injury I think is definitely worrisome for Utah. He's kind of a key piece for them um, in terms of keeping that ball moving, kind of keeping Donovan Mitchell's role in check. So I think for Utah offensively, that's a little bit concerning. Obviously, they're a very deep team. Um, I think you'll have another question in this series of what another another year, another uh, year of questioning, will the Clippers be able to play Rudy Gobert off the floor or not? Um, you know, is that is he going to be on the floor? The Clippers like to go small, as we saw with Boban. Um, and that'll be an interesting piece. And I also look at for the Jazz defensively. I mean, who is going to guard Kawhi Leonard? I think that's obviously very concerning, I think. You know, Joe Ingles can give you some minutes of like being that vet, but I think Kawhi is going to absolutely go off in this series. So definitely someone to target for a player prop action. I think it's kind of interesting that the Jazz are kind of built off their guards and their bigs, and the mm-hmm. Clippers' strength of their team is with PG and Kawhi on the wing. So it kind of fits up interestingly. I think it's going to be a great matchup, um, yeah. but I really think that, that that the Clippers are going to fulfill their destiny and make it to the finals this year. Um you know, I yeah, I just think it's a it's a really big series kind of for all these guys. Donovan Mitchell, who covers him, that'll be interesting. I think yeah. Pat Pat Bev can definitely play a role in this series. I think he was a little bit too small for Luca. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Donovan Mitchell does with vets like Pat Bev and Rondo and Kawhi getting after him. I mean, that's gonna be an awesome test to see kind of how he handles that. Um, so Lots of like, you know, another series where Quinn Snyder is, you know, a great coach, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Ty Lue go up against him. I think Ty Lue is really underrated right now um, in terms of being a playoff guy. So that's another great matchup. But um, yeah, this one, this one's good. I think this and Suns Nugs are just elite matchups. And obviously, hopefully the health of uh, Mike Conley and Chris Paul can come through to make them both uh, as good, as great as they can be. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a great series uh, for X's and O's, like you just mentioned, because we're going to see so many different matchups on who's going to guard Donovan and, and Kawhi can just come out and dominate the mid range. So 
Um, I just, I'm just excited to kind of sit back and watch game one, just kind of see what transpires because I think uh, one, number one, the three point shooting this series is going to be really the key factor for me because I think these were two of the teams that were probably top five in three point shoot across the board, whether it's percentage makes and uh, attempts. So um, I think that's number one for me. And then like you mentioned what how they handle Rudy Gobert is going to be interesting because yep. Um, like you mentioned, Clippers like going small and, and is Zubac going to get extensive minutes or is he going to get the start? So that'll be interesting to see. So um, not much for me. I mean, I'm definitely excited for it. I think this is going to be one of the greater series, but I'm just kind of excited to sit back and watch game one and see what yeah. kind of transpires. So I completely do see the Clippers finding a way or winning the series also, but I can also see guys winning this series also. So uh you know, we'll, we'll have to, at least for me, I'll have to kind of take it after game one and see what, what I see in game one and, and kind of make a prediction from there. But gun to my head right now, I'll probably take Utah in seven games. All right, there we go. So an, another series where we disagree. So there will be, in, a, in, in some time in the next few weeks, there'll be another apology episode of the uh, NBA Gambling Podcast with, with this. Uh, but I'm excited. I think this is going to be yeah. a really just a phenomenal series. And obviously game one, Tuesday night, no line for that yet, but we will definitely uh, be ready with our picks when it does come. Anything else previewing that series, or should we go to the other Western Conference semi? No, that's all. We can go to Denver and Phoenix. Yeah, let's go to Denver and Phoenix, where the series price that I'm seeing is the Phoenix Suns at minus 200, and the Denver Nuggets coming back the other way at plus 165. Um, So, very, uh, you know, Suns a little bit of a favorite, but um, Nuggets, obviously, you know, I don't think anyone really wants to doubt them anymore after they continue to be a really, really nice playoff team in the last few years. So, Munaf, your early impressions of this matchup, and I guess we can say also the game one line, which we'll talk about after this, is uh, Suns minus four and a half. So, hefty little favorite in the series in game one. So, let me ask you this. Do you think that the... Phoenix Suns are such an overwhelming favorite because they came out beating the defending champions. Um, yeah, I do think that there's kind of a baseline that the Suns are a superior team to Denver. Especially, okay. I think the Jamal Murray injury is still lingering, I think, um, in people's minds. And I think we've also seen people kind of crush the Blazers too and kind mm-hmm. of discredit Denver. So I, I definitely think there's some of that where the Suns just beat the defending champs and eliminated LeBron and Denver beat a team that now everyone is saying is trash. So, yeah. you know, I think you're kind of seeing that effect. Yeah. I think, uh, uh man, this is going to be a fun series too, man. I think all these round two matches are just going to be absolutely fantastic, but, um, you know, coming off what Phoenix did in round one, I think obviously I expected it, but the general betters and, and, and fans were not expecting it because it was, it was LeBron and, and the Lakers, but, now you're going up against the Denver Nuggets team, and it's almost like the Denver Nuggets are pretty much like on a free roll, right? Like that, yep. even if they lose a series, it's going to be like, okay, we lost to the Phoenix Suns that beat the Lakers, and we didn't have our second best player in Jamal Murray. But you got to give it again. We talked about how the Denver Nuggets role players stepped up in 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 that first round series against the Blazers. They're going to have to do that again, obviously, against the Phoenix Suns. The question for me is going to be who's going to be guarding Devin Booker for the Denver Nuggets. Is it going to be Campazzo? Is it going to be Michael Porter Jr.? Is, who's it going to be for me? That's going to be number one. Um, 
as much as I want to pick Denver, man, I think I got to go with Phoenix again. I think Devin Booker was just absolutely phenomenal in round one. Uh, hopefully these these days off gives Chris Paul the ability to get more treatment and, and get right with his shoulder. I think it'll still be a lingering issue. But uh, hopefully with these days off, it'll get, it gets better for them. And then the matchup on who's going to guard Nikola uh, Jokic is also going to be the other question. Is it going to be DeAndre Ayton, Jake Crowder, uh, Bridges? Who's it going to be? So, again, this is the series where I'm kind of looking at, the again, the X's and O's and matchups and, and kind of seeing what's going to happen. So I kind of want to get – I know you're the Denver fan, so I kind of want to get your take first before I give a prediction. Yeah, I think this, this is a really fascinating series as well. Just kind of set up kind of where these teams are at right now. Phoenix, second-best defense in the playoffs so far at yeah. 102.6 defensive rating, but the 12th best offense Denver third best offense but 12th uh best defense so you kind of see these teams a little bit of a mirror image of each other except you know kind of flipped um yeah and I think that's kind of be kind of what I'm seeing in this series I think Denver's defense yes they're gonna struggle um because just the personnel and obviously having Nicole Yoga to center but does Phoenix have enough offensively to kind of take advantage of and expose that I think Dame and kind of what he does as a pull-up shooter off pick and roll and all the shooting around him, I think, was a little bit harder for Denver to deal with. I think Phoenix, while they do have the kind of lethal mid-range scoring of CP and Booker, I think they're a little bit easier to deal with, a little bit less explosive offensively, obviously, as we've seen so far. Even though I think that, you know, I think when you look at the matchups, you probably start AG on Book and kind of see if he can handle that. If not, you obviously have other options. And I think this will be a really big series to see when and if Will Barton and or P.J. Dozier do come back to have more bodies to throw at book. That's obviously both of them are out for game one. That's a big thing to monitor. Um, So I think that Denver, and I I think on the other side, I'm really worried about Denver um, and their role players in this series. I think Portland, the personnel, I mean, they – these guys couldn't guard Denver's reserves, right? Austin Rivers and Monte Morris were busting guys off the dribble. I mean, as much as I like what those guys did, that's just not realistic against an elite defensive team like Phoenix where yeah. all of a sudden, I mean, look, we saw Michael Bridges take away Dennis Schroeder. Oh, you know, how about Michael, Michael Bridges mm-hmm. takes away Austin Rivers, you know, and now you have Jokic. I think they're going to be able to execute that Portland game one game plan more and more of, okay, Jokic, we know you're going to cook DeAndre Ayton, but no one else is going to go off around you, and you're going to have to do it yourself scoring 45, 50, and keeping up with us offensively. So I think that's what I'd be worried about most from Denver is that not only do the Suns, um, you know, have a competent matchup for Jokic and Ayton, but they actually have the guys to take away the supporting cast. Um, You know, they actually – you could throw a Chris Paul and a Monte Morris, and it's not like he's going to cook. Like, he was absolutely cooking CJ and and Dame. Same with Book. So, I think Jay Crowder, Michael Bridges, I mean, they could throw all these guys on these supporting cast players and really execute the game plan of making Jokic beat them. Um, But the question is, I mean, Jokic has shown time and time again that by himself, he basically gives you a good offense by creating a shot for himself or others. So, I think it's really going to be, you know, Nikola Jokic plus whatever – whatever he can get out of the role players and the supporting cast and big series are Michael Porter Jr. I mean, he obviously has to continue to kind of raise his consistency. He had a lot of big quarters, but not any complete four quarter games of, of knockdown shooting. And um, on the, on the other side, can the nuggets kind of hold the suns enough so that their limited offensive profile can kind of keep up. And I think if you get these games to the fourth quarter, Nicole Jokic has shown developing this new pick and roll chemistry with Monte Morris, not new, but, you know, we used to we're used to it being Jamal Murray. Now it's Monte. They can they can put up buckets in the fourth quarter. So I think the Nuggets are going to be just fine in the series so long as they kind of 
keep the game within reach and, and kind of keep the Suns from absolutely going off. And, you know, I think you start to lose against the Suns, like you've mentioned, when you have your Cam Johnson knocking down threes and your Jay Crowder knocking down five threes and everybody's getting busy. I think you need to keep the game in check because once they get on a roll, as we saw, they were able to blow out the Los Angeles Lakers. you got to keep these games in front of you and let Jokic continue to kind of wear down the game and be the best player on the floor like we saw in a lot of those clutch games with uh, against Portland. Um but yeah, this is going to be just a great series. I, I think I think the, the Phoenix Suns are rightly favored, but there's just no reason to doubt Mike Malone and this Nuggets team. And they're another team who, like you said, they're playing with house money. I think they're going to be similar to Dallas last round where it's like they literally have nothing to lose um, yeah. in this matchup. They were an underdog to Portland in the first round. They're without Jamal Murray. This wasn't supposed to be their year to compete at all. And now they have a pretty good matchup to go back to the Western Conference Finals, I think. So the, you, you got to like that aspect of your Denver, and they're not going to panic. Obviously, they, they just lost game one in the round before. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be okay, obviously, not having home court. And I, so I think my pick here is probably going to be Phoenix in seven, I think. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I think you just hit the nail on the head is that this Denver Nuggets team doesn't get, get rattled when they get down a game or two. I mean, we saw last yeah. season – well, they're down three games to one and they came back to win series. So I think that the mentality of this team, as far as fighting back, it, it's going to be there all, all season or all series long. Um, and I, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, the point that I did uh, miss was how you talked about that the Phoenix Suns have the pieces on the defensive end to kind of neutralize or take away the role players of the Denver Nuggets, whether that's Austin Rivers, um, uh, Monte Morris off the bench. So you're going to have to kind of see what you kind of get. I think the one guy we have to keep an eye out for if Denver's really going to have success is going to be Aaron Gordon in the series because yep. Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to come out and drop the amount of points that he did in round one against a Blazer. And we know what Jokic is going to be, Jokic and his MVP level dropping, you know, 30-plus points every single night. It's going to be, again, who's going to step up for for, for the Denver Nuggets. And, and as far as the Phoenix Suns, Again, Chris Paul, Devin Burke are going to lead the way. DeAndre Aiden's going to be good again. But again, when you have Jay Crowder and, and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson knocking down three-point shots uh, and their def- their defense, like you mentioned, which was great all season long and was great against the Lakers also, I think that this is a wall that the Denver Nuggets will run into on the defensive end of the Phoenix Suns because they have length and, and they have guys that can defend also. So. Again, the X's and O's in this series is going to be great. I'll probably go with Phoenix in six games to get to the Western Conference Finals here. Um, you know, Phoenix is just has that dog mentality that they're hungry. And, um, you know, I, I think they're battle-tested now, saying that with young guys, but they did take out the defending champs. Um, but, yeah, I'll go Phoenix in six games. And uh, this is going to be, again, like I said, a, a great a great series to watch. If you're Mike Malone, do you start Monte Morris or do you keep Campato in the starting lineup and then just kind of keep closing with Monte? That was my next question to you was that do you think that Morris is going to start? I think for right now, game one, let him come off the bench because you're going to yeah, need that scoring in that second unit because if you move Campazzo into the bench, then you have Millsap, Green, uh, and and Campazzo in that second unit. So and uh, you don't really have that scoring power there. So I think leave Morris where he is right now because he's a guy that can get a bucket for you and knock down uh, jump shots. But I do expect Monte Morris to close uh, in the fourth quarter versus Campazzo or even Austin Rivers. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you keep Campazzo in the starting lineup because you already have Jokic out there. I mean, your offense is going to be there. And then you let, yeah. you let kind of Monte run the second unit. And... Um, 
you know, in the and then in the fourth quarter, you can kind of make your decision about do you want to come back with Monte? I think obviously that's the likely outcome because of the offensive punch he brings. I think you also had yeah. to look out for Denver. The Jamichael Green, Jamichael Green did close game six for them. Um in that in that okay. in that closeout yeah. win, uh, and, and he was really good. Kind of, and Michael Porter Jr. said, "Coach, you got to close out with with J Mike because he's been playing so well." So I think that's one thing to definitely monitor for Denver's end. With that, let's take a final break, and then we will come back and we'll get into these game one lines. So coming back to Nets, Bucks, and uh, Nuggets, Suns. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by the SGPN app. The SGPN app is now live in the App Store and Google Play Store. The app gives you easy access to all our picks and podcasts. Plus, the app is the exclusive way to enter all the SGPN contests, including our SGPN $1,000 NBA Finals free roll. Just download the app today and hit the contest tab for your chance to take them $1,000. And don't forget to toss us an app review and download the SGPN app today. All right, coming back off the last break, let's get to these Monday game bets. Let's start it off in Brooklyn, where the Brooklyn Nets are a one-and-a-half point favorite at home. James Harden already ruled out for this one. Total at 233-and-a-half. Munaf, where, where are you going game two here? Obviously, I've, I've said it's a must-win for Brooklyn. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to stay with Brooklyn until uh, they can show me that they can defend KD and Kyrie Irving. We talked about game one that they didn't shoot the ball well. I'm expecting them to shoot better in game two. Um, But I think the Brooklyn Nets role players are really going to be a factor in this series, whether it's going to start with Mike James, Blake Griffin, um, uh, Shamit, like you mentioned. Um, And then I think the other guy I was talking about was Nick Claxton. So, yep. I'm going to go with Brooklyn again in game two. I think they know they need this game more because they're going to be going into Milwaukee. would rather be up to all going into Milwaukee. Like you mentioned, getting a game in uh, Milwaukee, coming back and trying to wrap it up in game six. But for game two, Milwaukee, minus one and a half for me. I'm going to take the over. I think that over was right on pace um, in game one. It kind of the shot making the defense really stepped up in the second half. But again, I'm sh- expecting a better shooting night from Milwaukee, and I think Brooklyn will again, like we said, that they didn't shoot the ball in great in Game One from three point land. So I think we'll see better shooting Game Two, and I'll take the over also. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Nets minus one and a half, and go with the over as well. I think it's gonna be one of those class. I think we see like a 125, 122 type victory for the Nets in this game. Yeah. So maybe maybe go with the money line here when when it does pop up. Um, but huge game uh, here in, in Brooklyn, and I I, I uh, look for look for Brooklyn to close to get this one. Um, any any player prop or team total or you know other quarter or half bets in this one that you got. I think you got to continue riding the KD and Kyrie props because I think they'll be priced higher. Let me see if they've been posted because of James Harden being out now that they may have posted the lines. But, um, you know, both of these guys are going to have to put up the points like we talked about for them to win these ball games, And I'm expecting it probably to be around 28 and a half for both of these guys, possibly 30 and a half for uh, Kevin Durant. But let me see here real quick if they've been posted. Uh, yeah, they are. So let's see. Right here we have Kevin Durant, thirty-one and a half points with the juice at minus one thirty, and Kyrie Irving at twenty-eight and a half. They're big numbers, but the books, like I said, they're expecting them to go out and score because Harden's not there. They're going to have to if they're going to win games. So I'm going to continue riding Kevin Durant over the thirty-one and a half points uh, in game two. There you go. I mean, I, I think, yeah, they haven't really had an answer to him all year. And um, 
you know, KD, Kyrie going to have to be the guys here again. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that's probably a good angle. I mean, I'm going to look hard at KD and Kyrie tomorrow and kind of see where, where I end up. So obviously make sure you get in the Slack channel. It's at sg.pn slash Slack. We'll be talking about these games, I'm sure, all day tomorrow. Everyone coming back to work on a Monday, so it's a great time to uh, tap into the Slack, get some NBA yeah. bets in. Um, next game on the slate, the late game, game one, obviously, of the series that we just talked about. So Phoenix, we talked about a minus, two, minus 200, minus 205 favorite in the series. They are a minus four and a half favorite at home in game one. Total at 220. Munaf, where, where are you going with this one? I hate to stay chalky, but I just love this Phoenix team at home uh, in game, game one. Uh, they were absolutely phenomenal in game one against the LA Lakers. I think they won that game by nine points. Um, they've played well at home this in, in round one, uh, and I think that'll continue here for the Phoenix Suns. They did lose game two, because, I, but I think that was expected against the Lakers. But um, Denver, maybe, you know, I think we'll have a reaction or, or, or see that now they're going up a step up in defensive competition because they were getting whatever they want against the Blazers, but now they're going up against a Phoenix team. That's really good defensively. And I just love this Phoenix team at home in game one. I think I like Phoenix Suns minus two in the first half better than full game. So I think that's going to be my angle in this game is taking Phoenix Suns minus a two in, uh, in game one tomorrow night. Yeah, I was going to look at as well the Suns in the first quarter at that minus one and a half. So kind of, I think that that's probably going to be a pretty popular bet. Obviously, with like the rest and the home court angle there, so already up to minus one and a half on that first quarter. I think I like Phoenix here as well. I think I I I definitely like uh, Phoenix team total over in this game. I think okay. we we've seen for Denver their defense kind of figures out a team over the course of a playoff series, right? But we've seen with Donovan Mitchell, Dame Muller, that they can get killed um, when the, for the first time they see someone. I think the first time they see Book, CP, um, I think Jokic is going to get killed. So I look at the over in this game at 220 and also the team total for Phoenix I think I like. I think if Denver does compete in this game, it'll be because we get to see like an offensive you know, output that's crazy and both teams are kind of going back and forth. I think there is definitely blowout potential here where the Suns offense is going and the Nuggets are still kind of rounding in form. Um, and look, it's game one. We saw the Nuggets lost game one in the last series as well. They're no stranger to a long playoff series. They've gone seven in like, I think their last however many series. Um, um, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Suns here, minus four and a half, but definitely going for uh, first quarter and a team total over for Phoenix. I also think I'm going to go with a money line parlay for Phoenix here in game one and Philly in game two. Um, well, I like that, you know, two home teams and I, we, that, that line's not posted obviously with the Embiid uh, situation. That's going to be kind of back and forth um, on, on whether he's going to play, it seems like, or at least getting the questionable tag for sure. So definitely going to keep monitoring that, but any other plays for you in this game, team totals, player props, anything like that. Yeah, I was looking for Devin Booker, but I don't know why he's not listed. I see Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, and Jay Crowder, but I don't see Devin Booker for some reason. Um, I'm going to stay on the DeAndre Ayton uh, train as far as points here um, and also rebounds. I think if your book offers a points and rebounds combination, I think that might be a good angle, but my book that I bet on doesn't. Uh, his points are listed at 13.5 for DeAndre Ayton, and his rebounds are at 9.5, so... If your book offers maybe a double-double prop on DeAndre Eden, I think I like that, but I'll be playing um, over points and his 
rebounds uh, for game one. I I think he'll have success inside. And his, his game has really transformed throughout the season. I think he had a fantastic series early on against the Lakers, and I think he'll have that success um, in game one. We talked about, you know, if you're going to, Tyra kind of try to tire out or take Jokic out of the game. It's going to have to start on the defensive end and make him make an effort there. So if if Jokic is is uh, matched up on DeAndre Ayton, I expect them to maybe establish Ayton earlier or probably get some law passes to DeAndre Ayton. So over 13 and a half points for DeAndre Ayton and over nine and a half boards for DeAndre Ayton in game one. There you go. That's a, that's a great angle right there. Let's get into Best bets for this slate for tonight. Uh, Friday it's for tomorrow night, so it's going to be for Monday, June 7th. Or any you could throw in any series price action that you like for any of the series that we have. So, Moon Up, we'll start with you. Your best bets. Yeah, I think I'll stay with this Denver and uh, Phoenix uh, series. I'm going to go uh, first half Phoenix Suns minus the two. I think it's going to be rocking in game one in uh, their arena. Uh, they're at home. I love this Phoenix team. Phoenix team at home, so I'm going to take minus two Phoenix Suns in the first half. Are you seeing a number for the team total on Phoenix? Uh, I think I just saw it at 111. Give me one. Let me get to that screen here real quick. Um, yeah, 111 and a half uh, for full game, 57 in the first half. All right, so give me that Phoenix Suns over 111. Best bet for me. Uh, for a slate for tomorrow night. Definitely really like that play. So we'll definitely get that one in the Slack channel. Any other best bets that you want to throw out to the people before we sign off? Um, no games on a Sunday night for the first time in a few weeks. So we're, we're, we're going a little bit earlier tonight. Yeah, I thought that was weird. I don't know why they're having a game. Uh, maybe they kind of pushed up one of these game ones on a Sunday night prime time. But uh, Yeah, I don't know. I guess not. Um, I think one price you may want to keep an eye on is this, this Bucks uh, net series price. Right now, you can get the Milwaukee Bucks at plus one. Um, I think something to keep an eye on. But um, other than that, I don't have anything. I'll probably be waiting for the Utah and Clippers series price to drop. And then the other one um, was the other one that I'm missing. Uh, uh, Philly and uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. I think that'll be. A, a bet that I will probably be on for the Sixer side. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and that definitely does kind of feel like the forgotten series. So looking forward to yeah. locking, <laughs> looking forward to locking in on Tuesday. Night. Obviously, the other three, the other three matchups are kind of as good as you could ask for. Yeah. Um, so and and look, Philly Atlanta. I mean, with Atlanta taking Game One, all of a sudden gets really compelling. So we'll be here to discuss it all um, on the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please definitely subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out in the new SGPN app. Definitely download yes. that if you haven't yet. Really exciting, and uh, congrats to Sean and Ryan on that. So I'm really pumped up for that. That's the SGPN app that you heard in today's uh, ad reads as well. Um, and check out all the podcasts in the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can access the podcast through the app or through your favorite podcast player. Check out articles at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Munaf's been dropping those on NBA and MLB as well, right? Yeah, I had a, finally a, a winning week in MLB. It was a little rough stretch for me, but usually drop uh, my player props for the NBA on Wednesdays, and then MLB is usually on Friday and Saturday. But uh, we have uh, two podcasts coming out as far as this one will be dropped hopefully tonight and then MLB. So hopefully people don't get tired of listening to my voice uh, all the time on these two, on these uh, podcasts, but uh, looking forward to round two matchups, man. We have a uh, game two 
tomorrow night, Bucks, Nets, and then game one, Nuggets and Sun. So I'm excited, man. Yeah, it's going to be a great couple of days. Um, your Twitter, Munaf? Yeah, you can find me at SportsNerd824. I usually have uh, MLB plays and NBA plays on there also. My DMs are also open. So I've, I've gotten a lot of DMs about questions about player props and betting strategies. So I'm pretty good about answering. So those are also all open also. Just always remember, I'll be there for you guys to crush the books. That's all I care about. So DMs are open and, and send me a tweet also. I'll, I'm pretty good at responding. Yeah, there. I, I have seen your, your follower count's been blowing up uh, throughout these uh, all the content you've been doing. So you've, yeah. been, you've been going crazy with all the M- NBA, MLB. So everyone at SGPN knows, uh, you know, the hardest working man in the sports betting content industry. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. Slack channel SG.PN slash Slack. Anything else we want to plug before we sign off, Munaf? No, that's it. Let's go uh, Bucks tomorrow night and let's go Suns. Shout out to our mommy McKee, man. <laughs> yeah, great episode today. Uh, a lot of fun getting back into it. So uh, we'll have shows uh, all throughout the week. Yeah. Um, and we're looking forward to getting back to you, everyone. So good luck with your best tomorrow night and uh, let it ride, everybody. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to.